In today's episode of Board Game Impact, it's going to be a little different today because Josh is going to interview me about my experience attending Board Game GeekCon in Dallas, where I got to play a ton of games and have a lot of really fun, amazing experiences. So stay tuned to hear all about it. Welcome to Board Game Impact. My name is Bruce Brown, and what we seek to do here on Board Game Impact is to share with you some amazing things going on in this board gaming industry um, through our lenses. Um, so I work in education, and so does my co-host, Josh. Um, so he's going to be joining us here in a second. Um, but this is going to be a slightly different episode because I actually just went to uh, BGGCon, so that's BoardGameGeek.com. If you don't have a membership, which is free, on BoardGameGeek.com, go there and do that. Um, but then while you're on your phone, also quick subscribe here on this podcast so you can get all the cool information because what we do is we talk about the gaming experiences that we're having for your benefit and your gaming's group benefit. Um, so that being said, um, BoardGameGeek.com hosts two conventions a year, BGGCon and BGG Spring. Um, which happens in May. So this was the one in November. And so this one's going to be a little different in that Josh has the fun opportunity um, because sadly he did not get to join me this time. Um, and he's going to be interviewing me on the show today. So Josh, why don't you hop on um, and talk about your past experience with BGG so we know you're not coming in cold on all this. <laughs> well, thank you for that introduction, Bruce. Uh, welcome listeners. Um, as Bruce mentioned, I am Josh. I uh, did not get a chance to go to BGGCon this year. Very, very, very sad about that. It just fell at a time that was inconvenient to me. So for the first time in four years now, I'd been the last three. Um, this is my uh, first time not being able to go since I actually met Bruce and quite, quite disappointed by that. Uh, it's a great opportunity. I really enjoy it uh, even more now that I live outside of Texas because it does give me a chance usually to reconnect with that game group where I first met Bruce and and all of uh, a, a really group, great group of friends that um, helped not really spark, but develop further my my neuroses with uh, game collection and, and board game playing. So. I, I love BGGCon. It's one of my favorite weekends every year and, and very, very sad to have missed it. So, Josh, since they're going to hear you hearing a lot of details from me, can you share with them what kind of happens at BGG um, and like how that all works? Like, what is, am I going to like a lot of events? Because there's like different types of conventions out there. Sure. BGGCon, I think, is uh, a really, really great convention for folks who really just want to experience as many games as possible in a relatively short period of time. It's a relatively small convention when you compare it to things like Gen Con or Origins or PAX Unplugged, um, some of these really big names in, in board game conventions. BGGCon's relatively small in that respect, but you can pack so much fun into into an, uh, a weekend with with BGGCon. The showroom for uh, folks who are demoing games or um, selling games or or marketing those types of things is a decent size, but you can get through the uh, the the convention hall probably in 
at least in past years, I don't know if they expanded this year or not. The as a preview for listeners, they they have a new location this year. Um, so but you could get through the the convention hall in probably two and a half to three hours if you didn't take a long time talking to folks. Um, and if you weren't really, really looking at every single game that was on display, but still plenty there, you, you still have a pretty strong contingent of some of the big, big games, uh, big names in board games, um, who, who are represented at BGG con selling their goods and, and demoing new games. But what I love about BGG con is just, it is, wall-to-wall gaming you can spend 13 14 15 hour day just playing games um now some of that may be reading new rule books uh one of my favorite things about bgg con uh in the fall is that it comes out shortly after essence so you have a lot of new releases that you actually can get your hands on if not for purchase, at least to play while you are at the convention. Um, they have a hotness section, just like the website, which is a curated list of some of the biggest games that are out at the moment that you can rent and read the rules and play uh, in, in a couple hours with some friends and make some new friends if you don't have anyone. I, I, I love, love, love that con- convention. Yeah, and so it's really about community. Um, Josh and I, like, we got to play a whole bunch of games every time we've gone together. Um, so he was very much missed. Um, but Josh did talk about, like, hey, yeah, it was in a new hotel. It was still in Dallas, Texas. Um, but it was at a new hotel that was much larger. However, they didn't really increase attendee numbers, like, at all. Um, but the spaces were bigger. Um, and I'll get into some of that here in a second. But Josh did say a word that I just want to clarify a couple things. So Josh said renting games. Um, so it, it really works more like a library card. You have your like badge that you wear around your neck. And so you'll go into the library, which, by the way, Josh, in the past, the library had 40 racks of games. Still way too many racks of games to quickly get in, choose a game, and get out. (laughs) Right. So 40 racks of games, by the way, listeners, was about 4,000 board games. The new setup has 60 racks of games. There was about 6,000 board games in one room. It was insane and amazing. And I'll post pictures or links to some pictures in the show notes. If you want to see a photo I took of that, and also I know some other people took some videos of that, I'll post that all there. Um, but we're going to talk, I'm going to talk through some of the things I did. So Josh knows things he can ask me about. Um, and then I'm not going to go into detail though. Uh, but before I do that, I want to pause everything and just say thank you, thank you, thank you to BGG. Um, so it'd be Aldi, who's the owner and founder of Board Game Geek, um, then Jeff and Christine, and then John and Laney. So the four of them really run the convention, um, as well as all the BGG admins. So um, all those volunteers and all the paid staff from BGG, and then also the other admins um, who you see all the time. So people like Rodney Smith uh, from Watch It Played, um, and Chaz Marler from Paradise Paradise, and everything that they've been doing for the community, um, and then also the incredible. 
incredible volunteer staff of Team Geek. They increased Team Geek this year. It was 120 volunteers who volunteer, volunteered 16 hours of their time from the week. Uh, it's just really cool. And they go around, they help teach people games. But even if they don't know the games, they just help make sure they're having fun. Um, also, I want to give a quick shout out to Michael. Uh, so he, his BGG username is Futiles. Um, so I actually ended up going up a day early and crashed with Michael. Um, but I got to play a bunch of games with him. So I just want to give him a shout out. On podcast, I gave him a shout out in one of the last episodes, actually, because of all the money he raised for Extra Life when Josh and I were talking about that. And then also the Ultimate Geek sponsors for all of the free games that they gave to attendees um, and helping put all this on. So a couple things of note. So we have the new hotel, Josh. Um, we have the library. We have things I did. Um, so I'm going to run through these, and then we can dig into those later. Um, we, there was Martin Wallace, so the designer of Brass, uh, London, um, Age of Steam, many other games. Uh, there was playtesting with him. I got to know Philip uh, Millman, who, if you're on Facebook at all for any ba- board game group, uh, he is the two-time baseball highlights 2045 world champion um, and he took a picture with him and his trophy he made me forced me to do it and I, I'm looking pretty pouty in it uh, photo in the description um, and then I also played in the poker tournament sponsored by TMG so tasty minstrel games I did participate in the virtual flea market um, there was a board game bizarre it's almost like a honestly a in-person flea market I did the game show again. We didn't win, um, uh, but we came real close. Um, we were Our team name was Tigress and Your Mama. Um, then we had all the vendor hall and lots and lots of open gaming, as well as um, I was interviewed for a local Dallas magazine on the convention going on. Um, played a bunch of games, um, some new hotness and then some others. And Josh, I know I sent you the list of those games. Um, and then there was also a whole bunch of designers there. So obviously, um, Martin Wallace, and then Rob Davio, Eric Lang, Elizabeth Hargraves, Tom Vassell, Gil Hova, Ryan Lockett, and many, many more. Um, and then also YouTube and other personalities. So Josh, I'm just going to turn it over to you. So Bruce, that's a, a lot to get through. And I, I don't know that we'll get through all of it today, right. but it, it, it sounds like he had a really great time. I want to start though with what I think is probably for me, at least um, the, the biggest pressing question I have, which is how is the new hotel? What was your experience as someone who's been to, and for listeners who may not be aware of <clears throat> or who've not been to BGG con in the past, BGG con used to be essentially at the airport. Um, which was great if you were coming in from out of town, you stepped off the plane, got on a shuttle, and you were there. But other than that, it was kind of mediocre. You couldn't really go anywhere, do anything. Moving downtown with a new hotel, new location, how was that, Bruce? So it was honestly amazing. The new hotel was fantastic. The there was food, a whole lot, a lot more food options in this hotel. That was all tasty and good. The ironic thing about being downtown, so I would actually make the drive out of the airport and go to some places. I didn't leave the hotel. I didn't um, because it was that good. Uh, it was just a really great experience. Uh, and I know you talked about like people being able to just like land their land the plane, uh, fly into DFW, and you're there. Um, but there was also shuttles, uh, not shuttles, but the they have the essentially 
rail system through downtown Dallas. And so you'd hop on like two of those and get there. And so I know a lot of people actually stayed not at the hotel because um, it filled up and actually were able to take that in real easy. Um, I will say, of course, with any new event space, when you have 4,000 people, the best way to test it, how it's going to work is to put put them in, in it. Um, and so there was some learning opportunities. Um, the hotel ran out of like fridges for the rooms, but they went out and actually bought more fridges for the rooms for people to store stuff over the weekend, which was nice. Um, and then parking, uh, because it's downtown Dallas and it's actually right next to uh, the city hall building and things like that, there was some parking things for one day that was immediately resolved and the team did anything they could. Um, so that was all like the logistical stuff. That was like the rub, uh, rubbing of the elbows, like how are we gonna make this work? Everything else was great. Um, and like I said, they took care of all that other stuff anyway. So it worked really good. Um, the It was different this year. And so in the past, listeners, you'd be able to just take an escalator down or stairs down. And you're on like one floor, except for a couple rooms that were up high. This year, it was different. So you walk in the main floor of the hotel, and that's actually where registration was, where the if you did go to an event, like that's where some of the events were. That's where Hot Games was, as well as the giant mega room of gaming um, in, the, in the ballroom. But then there was two other floors. So the floor up was where there was like dedicated room for role-playing games or more social games that are louder, um, as well as war games in another area. And, and also an area if you wanted to prototype a game. But then in the basement, that's where the library was and the vendor hall. So the vendor hall at the old hotel was split into two rooms. It's all in one very big room, and it grew. Um, and man, did it pack a punch in a really good way. Uh, every vendor had a phenomenal time. I actually had a vendor, I don't know why he was telling me this, but he told me this. He said, honestly, he had more, he had a goal of what he wanted to sell. It was his first time coming to the convention, and he did that in an hour. Wow. Yeah. And, and so the, the vendor hall layout, would you say significant improvement over? Significant improvement. Years? And I think all around, everyone loved it. Awesome. You know, the, the being in a new location, um, kind of the hiccups, everything that goes along with that, really great to hear that, that it was a good experience for you. So the next thing, and this is the thing that I'm, I need you to talk more about is Martin Wallace playtesting. How, what, why? <laughs> yeah. So, so many questions. I know, right? So listeners, just for some reference, um, like designers are people too. Mm -hmm. And if there's one thing you take away from this is like, if you see somebody that's like made a game that's made an impact on you, go say hi to them. I know I talked about like emailing the food chain magnet designers and how much that had an impact on me in a good way. But like, a lot of designers go to this convention because it's not like the other ones. It's like a trade show or they're having to like sell things like Gen Con and Indie and things like that. It's really just like, let's come together as a community and play things. Um, and so quite often you'll see designers just like set up shop at a table and be like, Hey, who wants to play games with me? And like, yes, please. Um, in this case I was actually, um, so there's a, a group messaging notif uh, app called Slack. Um, 
that if you haven't heard of it, it's really good. Um, I use it for a couple things for work. Um, but Board Game Geek actually has a Slack channel. It's free. You can just download this. Um, one that just posts like whenever they publish a new like Twitter article or um, game night thing. But there's also a community one that's used a lot during the conventions. And Aldi posted on there saying, hey, Martin Wallace needs six playtesters for a new prototype game that's going to be coming to Kickstarter in 2020. And I immediately responded to that thing of like, I got five people. <laughs> um, and so I was like, okay, come to this table. And it was, uh, and come to this table at 9 a.m. tomorrow. Um, and so we went down there. And several of the other people from our game group here, the 12th Gamer, um, they got the chance to play with Myth Martin Wallace for six out, six and a half hours because they ended up playing two games. He's a really, really nice guy. Um, very humble, um, but very, very much approachable. And just he was super analytic um, with everything that was going on. He was somebody who, while playing, they would he would actually like, because he's never played those two games at six players ever. And so he was making rule modifications on the fly to maximize the games. Um, it was wonderful. And actually he just accepted my friend request on Facebook. So it's like a, like achievement unlocked. Um, but yeah, <laughs> so it was really cool. And like, that's the kind of thing that you get to have at these conventions. Um, so yeah, it was nice. That's awesome. And, and, Probably the thing that I must admit I am most jealous about here. Um, Martin Wallace has designed some of my all-time favorite games. Um, just a really, really, really good, good game designer. And I, I can't say that I'm surprised with saying he's analytical based on right. his game design. <laughs> he, he he makes some phenomenal, very brain-burnery games. So that's that's super cool. And... Um, I am now looking forward to you introducing me to Martin Wallace at the next uh, BGG Con, Bruce. And, and here's the thing. I know I'm going to kickstart these games when they come out, so we'll get to play them us as well, Josh. Fantastic. I'm looking forward to it, Bruce. So the next burning question I have for you, um, because it's one of my favorite things about BGG Con, is the poker game. Yep. So... For, for listeners, again, who, who may not be aware, um, every year there is a poker tournament that you can sign up for, uh, and it's it's a huge tournament, and everyone shows up from folks who have never played a hand of poker in their life to folks who are at the casino every night yep. and everyone in between, and I, I think it's a really, really, really fun, interesting little th way to spend a few hours of the convention. So Bruce, yep. Number one question. How did you place? <laughs> Not well. <laughs> um, <laughs> but if it's any consolation, so I went all in. So there's about 300 people playing um, and we were at tables. Um, I do think I was jinxed to begin with because I was at table F and spot one. So I was one F guy. Um, <laughs> but I went all in on pocket Queens with another pair on the, on the flop. Um, and so he took me, he had pocket Kings. So if there was ever a reason like, I, I get that, like, that's okay. But if it's also any consolation, 
of all like 300 people, he placed second. Okay. So, so of all knocked out by right of all people a, to get knocked out by, player. it was a first time attendee, and he ended up almost like pretty much winning the thing. Um, so it was sponsored by TMG this year, Tasty Minstrel Games, um, and they incentivize anybody who knocked out one of their guys got a game. Um, and they had people playing, and then everyone who got to the final table got games, and the final two people got a lot of games. Yeah. So awesome. Well, I I am sorry for your losses, but I'm <laughs> um, glad that that you had a decent time with it. Hey, I got my commemorative white poker chip. <laughs> it goes with the other three I already have. <laughs> you so Bruce, let me ask you on the on the mention of poker chips is what what colors do you have? I have all of them are white except one blue. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. So I did make it past the first set of like 75 people once. Mm-hmm. But honestly, I'm there to just have fun. I'm not one of those big poker people. Um, it's just that I always, always play that because it's such a fun time. Um, if anything, Jeff, who I already talked about, runs the thing with uh, Christine, John, and Lainey. Um, Jeff runs a poker tournament, and you have to listen to Jeff Jeff's rules, which is like no one's allowed to be that guy or girl. And so it's like if you're the analytic person that does go to Vegas all the time, like it's not for you. And if you can't not be that person, leave. Um but it was very approachable and a ton of fun. Bruce, you got to play a couple games that I'm I'm quite jealous of um, that were in the uh, hotness. And so why don't you talk to me about the, the first thing on this list? Um, just because I, I need to know what it is, is Azul Summer Pavilion. Yeah. So Azul Summer Pavilion is the third game in the Azul line. So you have Azul, Azul Stained Glass of Sintra, and then Summer Pavilion. And I have to say, I immediate, I wanted to buy Summer Pavilion immediately. And I didn't have that reaction about the other two. Um, a regular Azul can sometimes bring out a little hate drafting in people. Um, and which sometimes rubs me the wrong way, but I, I love the game. Don't get me wrong, but Azul Summer Pavilion, you're not placing your tiles immediately. You're holding them to the side and then you go around and you're placing them. And then every round of the game, one of the colors of tiles, they're now, um, rhombuses instead of squares. Um, so they're like little trapezoid type things. Um, one of them is wild. And so you can use it for its color or another color. Um, and so it's cool. So you're building these essentially little flowers on your board and there's spots that you can essentially surround. Then there's a center board with tiles on it. And depending on what type of thing you surround, then you get to take tiles off of that center board, which then get replaced immediately. So you can just, you're trying to prolong being able to put down as many tiles as you can. Um, and so it was really cool. I will say there is a more of a punishment for taking that first player token though. Um, so if you're the first person to reach in the middle, you get minus one points for every tile that you took. Oh, wow. And if there's a wild on a tile that on a, a uh, like a coaster that you're taking from or from that center pile, if you're taking from the center, you have to take one wild. Um, so it's really cool. Um, it was really relaxing. A lot less of the other stuff from Azul, which were good, but Honestly, everyone who played Summer Pavilion, this game sold out within an hour of the vendor hall opening. Well, that's awesome. It sounds like that's uh, another home run for for Michael Kiesling. Um, yeah. That that I, I 
both Azul and uh, Azul stained glass are in my collection. Um, I, I keep saying that I don't need another Azul, but maybe I do. Yeah, this one, this one kind of trumps them all. Like I love the other two; like they're fun. This one was knocked it out of the park. Bruce, there was another game on your list uh, that you got to play that I'm incredibly interested to hear about because the designer of this game has designed two of my favorite games of the <laughs> last year. Yep. Um, you got to play the Taverns of Tiefenthal. I did. Um, can you can you tell the listeners a little bit about that game, what it is, um, the designer, and and how you felt about it? Okay, absolutely. So it's by Wolfgang Warsh, and it's put out by Schmidt Spiele. Um, and I assume the other games you're talking about that you've played are one, Quacks of Quedlinburg, right? Mm-hmm. And then Gons? Uh, Doppelt, but... Doppelt, yeah. So, yeah, yes. yeah. Same thing, but different flavor. Yeah, um, Wolfgang Warsh is a designer to look out for. Phenomenal. So if you've ever played Quacks which is essentially a slot machine, but pulling out of a bag, right? This is Wolfgang Warsh saying, how can I do that with cards? <laughs> and then how can I do it where they have to make a choice? Um, what you're trying to do is you're trying to either buy more stuff for your infrastructure of your tavern through money or buy patrons who are worth victory points, much more victory points, by having beer. But you won't get more patrons unless you're doing this. But then he's like, but I'm going to throw in another thing because I like some dice games too. And it was dice drafting. <laughs> and so you'd roll the set of four dice and you'd get to pick one and you pass your coaster and you'd pick one from theirs. And all of the spots on this little tavern board as well as the cards you play um, have little spots for what die they accept. It was a lot of fun, but it gets thinky because there's like, oh, I want to buy this thing because it's in the display row. Uh, row. But guess what? You didn't draw Jack for making money this go. Um, Or the dice didn't fall in your favor, even if you did draw stuff for making money. Um, Or you did stuff, you got stuff to make beer, so you're going to have to focus elsewise. And so it was actually kind of cool to think of, how is this a beer round or is this a money round? And I actually just taught this to another couple two days ago, um, and they really enjoyed it. Um, So we played Quacks, and then we played Taverns, and you could easily see the flair between them. So if you like quacks and you want it to be more thinking um, and having to make some choices with some dice drafting, then Taverns is for you. Awesome. And, and just so listeners don't get confused, um, when when Bruce is talking about quacks, it's it's Quacks of Quedlinburg technically is the game uh, name. Most people just call it quacks because it's easier. Um, and then Gonshon Clever or or That's So Clever is, is Wolfgang Warsh's other game and this guy came out of nowhere and has has just absolutely crushed every game that 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 he's put out in the last couple years i i really really would keep an eye on him um for the future It, it sounds like this is another win for you bruce is that right it's it's a lot of fun i think that i'd be more tempted to pull down quacks Mm. Um, because it has some similar stuff that this is with cards. Um, I did really enjoy it, so I wouldn't turn down a game, if that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I think we have time um, for maybe one more question or just anything else you want me to comment on before we wrap it up. Absolutely. Bruce, there's one more thing. 
in here that that I'd like for you to hear your thoughts about, um, mainly because of your comment about this game. And I understand you didn't play this game, but you uh-huh. uh, watched or, or learned about it. And that's Ecos First Continent. Can you tell the listeners what Eco, Ecos is yeah. and then why the comment that you've made in our document? So Ecos is... And this is what's in the show notes that I put there for Josh to see and why he's confused. I wrote dot, dot, dot. It is bingo. Um, Cause it is um, now it's not like let's draw out. And it's like B 52. Um, it's not how that works. Um, what it is, is you have a very small continent essentially in the beginning of the game. And you're going to be adding tiles, um, hexagons to this continent and building it out to then when you draw out of this bag little runes based on the setup of things, the runes are essentially like a bingo ball. And you have little cards with powers that you can kind of chain together. So if a rune comes out, then it's going to trigger one. And then that triggering will then play into this one triggering. So you kind of build these little bingo engines. Um, So it's a fun game if you like that kind of experience, things like that. The thing that kind of kept me away from it though is I was asking people about it because it looks gorgeous um the pieces look really nice they're popping like you have like a little like abstract lines and stuff you can put on this board but the thing is unless you've played it like a bunch of times that board means nothing to you um from everything people were telling me of oh I happen to put my lion here and it's really just to prevent other people from things Um, doing things. And so you'd move things around on there sometimes because they were pretty static. And so the board didn't actually play into a lot of the experiences the players were having. So people told me it's a lot of fun, but it was just, it, it was missing something to make that interactivity with the cool thing in front of you actually have meaning. Okay. So, so uh, another easy to pick up game. That's okay. Mm -hmm. With a bunch of components that are gorgeous. But again, there was that connection between the things. I will say the reason I wanted to ask is looking at pictures online. This is a game that, that catches your eye very quickly. Yeah, very much so. And age is from AEG, so Aldrich Entertainment Group, who I also purchased the Wingspan, not Wingspan expansion, um, the uh, War Chest expansion from, had this beautiful, honestly, like 15 foot tall backdrop of the cover of Ecos because it's that gorgeous. Yeah. Um, yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing your experience, Bruce. I have, I, I lied. I do have one final question oh, for you. Okay. Um, burning, burning in my brain here. And that is pretty simple. Game of the con, go. Oh. Okay. I'm going to answer a couple things real fast. Um, Game of the con that I purchased, um, that I had to buy leaving the convention, Age of Steam um, Deluxe Edition from Eagle Griffin Games, designed by Martin Wallace. Um, Game of the con that was small box game, The Startups by Oink Games. Really fun game. Highly recommend. Game of the convention for a new game to me that was for multiple players, um, a little bit larger, Babylonia, which came out at Essen by Reiner Knizia, designer of modern art and like 600 other games. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and then Game of the Convention uh, was two player, is an older game, and that was Raptor. 
Um, that is a game where one person's a velociraptor with some babies and the other person's some scientists. The raptor's trying to eat the scientists. The scientists are trying to capture the babies for scientific study. Whoever wins in a game of war. It was like a 15-minute game. Um, so that was a lot of fun to play later at night. Um, and then favorite dexterity game of the convention that I played, it was Wacky Wit, which was Pac-Man, the dexterity game. Well, that was way more than I asked, but <laughs> nonetheless, uh, we will thank you for for that insight. I will say um, Raptor is a fantastic two-player game. I, I've had that one around a couple of times. Really, really interesting Age of Steam, not a new game by any stretch of the imagination, nope. but um, I'm glad to hear that that you enjoyed it as much as countless others have um, over the years. So I'm really glad they put out a, a deluxe edition of that game. Um, it looks really nice. I, I would love to have that one in my collection as well so while i have it we can play it and they also have every single map um so that's sadly all we have time for i know listeners were a little bit over on this but we wanted to just make a special note of you're definitely going to want to tune in next week as you're doing some holiday travel because josh cooked up something fun for y'all i'm not gonna let him spoil what it is um but it's gonna be a lot of fun and it's gonna be something new for the podcast um just to do something nice for the holidays um as we are together so so Josh, do you have any closing remarks for the listeners? Uh, listeners, once again, as always, thank you so much for tuning in, joining us uh, wherever you are or whatever you're doing while you're listening. Um, we're glad to be a part of your lives, and we're glad that uh, we can have some form of impact on you in the way that these um, games and this hobby has an impact on us. Um, Bruce, I'm, again, very jealous, but um, I'm glad you had a good time, it, it sounds like. Um, BGGCon, as always, was a massive success. It was. It was. And congratulations to BGG um, for the massive success that this was and the transition to the new hotel. Thank you again to everybody who had a hand in putting this amazing thing on. And thanks for everybody who came from around the world and everybody who took time to play games with me as a random stranger um, and those who said hi and thank you for the podcast, which there was a couple. So thanks for that. It meant a lot, actually. Um, so appreciate y'all. Um, and so with that being said, um, if this has been impactful for you for to learn about some cool things and experiences that we're having, make sure to hit that subscribe. Um, but that's really what we're here for is to like, share the experiences that we're having and talk about games and what game, what they bring out in people so that way we can really have a positive impact on this hobby that does continue to give and pour into our lives. Um, so please do feel free to tell a friend about uh, Board Game Impact and also drop us a rating in the iTunes or whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on uh, because we do go through and read all of those comments. So all of those feedback is very much appreciated, uh, but that will also help us grow um, and help spread the word to other people. Uh, so that all being said, uh, thanks again, BGG, for the amazing time. Make sure to tune in next week for a very special episode of Board Game Impact. And hopefully you're, if you're traveling, you travel safely um, as we're wrapping up this year. But until next time, go out and have a positive impact on the world.